want to wrap up the year talking about the markets. And we've got a very special conversation with a young student who has an amazing passion for agriculture. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. We're wrapping up the year with a look at an issue near and dear to the hearts of farmers, the markets. Jacqueline Holland is Senior Market Analyst with Farm Futures, and she shares her insights with readers every day as part of the Farm Futures Daily e-newsletter. She also writes the blog eCornomics that runs on the website. Today we're talking about the markets and how 2021 fared, along with a look ahead at 2022, including an opportunity for you to hear Jackie speak in person. And she digs in on the fight for acres and how input costs are shaping up for the new season. We also have a special conversation with Cesar Delgado, an Ottawa, Illinois student of a local community college with a strong heart for agriculture. It's a special talk I think you'll find interesting. But first, let's wrap up this year discussing those wacky markets. Welcome, Jacqueline Holland, to Around Farm Progress. How are you today? Doing great, Willie. How about yourself? Well, I'm enjoying the holiday week, but we are wrapping up the year here on uh, this Friday. And I was curious as to uh, what kind of year has it been for you covering the markets? Well, (laughs) being as this is my second year in this role, uh, I thought everything in 2020 was going to be unprecedented. Uh, But then we turned the calendar and 2021 was just as wild. And I think there are a lot of farmers out there that really feel the same way. You know, we started off the year with a cold freeze in the south, and that really flipped into motion a lot of the supply chain issues that the ag industry has dealt with basically from then on. But then there was concerns about having enough acreage. And then once we got the acreage in the ground, there was concerns about the yields and the crop conditionings being high enough to help support the demand, the record-breaking demand that we've been seeing. And as we move here into the end of the year, the soybean crop and corn crop weren't top yields, and the corn crop did perform better than that of soybeans. But there's still there's still concerns, you know, looking forward into 2022 about the soil conditions across the heartland, if they'll be moist enough to support good yields next year. Sourcing inputs at an affordable cost is also very top of mind for producers right now. We saw in the Northern Plains just an incredible crop failure for our first spring wheat and durum wheat. So that has thrown international wheat prices off kilter and there's just a lot there's just been a lot of turbulence this year a lot of ups and downs today alone corn finally or corn after jumping up past the six bushel benchmark um oh it's back up again (laughs) it's back up above the six dollar bush uh benchmark um so there's just been a lot of a lot of price fluctuation, but prices remain very profitable for farmers who may have bushels left in those bins to sell. Yeah, yeah I, I think the I think the running joke was uh, twenty. You know, here's 2020, and then 21, 2021 came along and it said, "Hold my beer." 
Exactly. Um, it just was just absolutely crazy. And you brought up a good point. We've got six dollar corn maybe on the benchmark on the on the board. I'm not sure where basis is for everybody, but it's still pretty solid. So that's good news. The other side of it is, will I be able to plant a crop? Will I be able to afford the fertilizer? So yeah, 2022 is definitely some turmoil. You know, we've enjoyed pretty comfortable profit margins, but it, it's just looking like those margins aren't going to be quite as wide in 2022. So it definitely makes a lot of growers nervous. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, several months ago in farmdoc.com, farmdoc daily or whatever it is over at University of Illinois, Gary Schnitke had run a new balance sheet for 2022, and he cut the per acre profit by a lot from what it was for 2021. And I thought that was really kind of a harbinger of what was coming. And this is before we really saw fertilizer prices go through the roof. So I haven't looked at his numbers again, but it's always interesting to look when uh, an economist takes a look at something like that and offers that warning. And we've been writing about it as you have, as Ben has as well. So as we look at the year coming to an end and a, a tumultuous year, we do have crop prices at pretty high levels. Our, uh, is there an opportunity to book that profit? I mean, what's on the board versus what basis is giving me? So basis definitely varies across the Corn Belt. Um, we've seen, I've watched uh, basis, basis for soybeans on the river. I think at the beginning of this week, it was about 10 to 30 cents below futures prices, depending on the terminal. And that's pretty typical of seasonal export demand for soybeans. The Brazilian soybean crop, it's the largest in the world. It's going to be a new record high for Brazil, and it's being harvested on time this year. So that crop, they're gonna start probably here in the next few days getting out into their fields and beginning their first round of harvest down there. And that means that their export season is about to ramp up and their crops are have been priced more affordably than US soybeans. So to that end, we'll see international demand shift from US soybeans to Brazilian soybeans here in the next couple of weeks. That's why we're seeing a little bit of that weakness in the basis prices at river terminals, I should say. But domestically, I think there is a lot more optimism. There's a lot more to talk about. If you look at basis at ethanol plants across the heartland, it's usually at a premium to these futures prices. And soy crush demand is still good. Our global edible oil supplies are pretty tight. So that definitely increases the demand for soy oil production. Looking at buyers a little bit closer to home is definitely going to give farmers more opportunities here in the next couple of months to kick off the year. Well, that's good news because we often see that slump when Brazil shows up with their pro their crop. Good for them, I guess. But the other side of it is that uh, if we've got that high domestic demand, and I'm hearing a lot of news about soy crush, edible oil demand, it's not always for edible use, though it's often going, there's a lot more interest in renewable diesel and some other uh, alternative markets. So that's going to keep that soy price up. So that brings another question. How's the battle for acres going so far? Well, it's definitely going to be more contentious than it was this time last year. If you recall this time last year, it was very much 
soybeans versus corn with a strong preference for soybeans because we thought soybean stocks were so tight at that time. Fast forward another year, soybean stocks aren't quite as high. We are they aren't quite as tight, I should say. And we have seen a little bit of demand rationing in response to these higher prices. You know, at some point just processors can't afford to be paying $13, $14 a bushel for these soybeans. So that has come into play this year. Corn demand for ethanol has recovered so impressively this last fall in the wake of the pandemic. So that's definitely boosted corn prices and made corn a much more attractive option relative to soybean in the acreage battle. However, you also have high cotton prices, high spring and winter wheat prices. I talked about the crop shortfall in the Northern Plains last year. Wheat will definitely play a big role in competing for those acres against corn and soybeans. But then you'll also have cotton, sorghum, oats, barley are also very attractive options for some growers. Well, I have plenty of options for rotation. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, there isn't exactly a straightforward answer this year, but we are currently running our Farm Futures acreage surveys, so hopefully we'll have more insights here in the coming weeks. Well, that's exciting. It'll be fun to watch. I know that you are currently in the middle of one of our surveys where we'll put out some information, informational numbers at the upcoming Farm Futures Summit, which I want to talk to you about for a moment, if that's okay. We're excited. Uh, we've got a good speaker lineup. You're on the speaker list this year. That's I think this is the first time you've been on the, the list to speak at uh, Farm Futures Summit. Is that right? That is right. And I am going to be presenting on the recent run-up in input costs and just kind of exploring the factors that have gone into this additional price pressure that we're seeing in the fertilizer market, as well as what farmers can be doing to ensure that they're still able to be profitable next year with these higher fertilizer prices. Yeah, I think one thing is that any any insight you can offer to help a guy make money uh, for 2022 with regard to fertilizer prices would be valuable. And yes, we do encourage folks to check it out there are opportunities to get a discount, as I tell people in this podcast. If you're getting an email from us at any time, and if you're hearing my voice, chances are you got a discount offer from Farm Progress and you ought to take advantage of it. The summit runs uh, January 20 and 21, and before that is the Ag Finance Boot Camp on the 19th, all in Iowa City. But that brings up an interesting question. As you look at the fertilizer side of this business, is that going to change at all? We talked recently about this in an earlier podcast. But do you see any movement or light at the end of the tunnel that isn't an oncoming train? I keep a pretty close eye on production costs in Illinois, and those have plateaued in the last in the last few weeks. I think as we're seeing seasonal demand for fertilizer back off, I think that might allow a little bit of at least uh, price stabilization. I am a little bit remiss to to forecast lower prices um, because global usage is so high right now and there's so many compounding factors with the supply chain with production being able to meet demand due to supply chain and pandemic factors uh, we've seen some tariff issues as well so it's it, it's just really an unprecedented multitude of 
uh, factors that have hit the supply chain that are just creating a lot more forecasting uncertainty for analysts like myself. So there was a lot of anhydrous, uh, other fertilizers that went on ground this fall. I think that could help to alleviate some price pressures this spring. However, you have to keep in mind that China is expanding their acres and they have also reduced their fertilizer exports and that it's a global market and the global the global demand, demand dynamics are are very complicated and they do influence US producers. So I think in the short term there's opportunity for price stabilization but if you can find ways to save money on fertilizer prices now, I highly recommend that you take them sooner rather than later. I think betting on the come is not a good idea for fertilizer prices. If you can lock anything in now, that's probably the better deal, right? It, yes, exactly. And, you know, if if you want to hedge your bets, I highly recommend buying stock in some of these publicly traded fertilizer companies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know, maybe not the most pleasant way to recoup some of what has been spent on these high cost items. However, we've seen companies like Nutrien set new records for quarterly earnings. So we know that they are also taking advantage of the high price environment. And, you know, if farmers don't want to be completely left in the dark, as these prices are rising, I think that's a really good way to hedge your bets and make your money work efficiently. It's mm, an interesting idea. Whether it's a diversification or not, it's a different thing, and we're not offering financial advice, so that's good. Well, Jack, <laughs> it's always good to talk to you about a lot of different factors. We look forward to seeing you at the upcoming Farm Futures Summit. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Willie. We appreciate Jackie's insights on the markets and enjoy reading her daily commentary, which you can catch at farmfutures.com. Thanks to Jackie for making the time from her crazy schedule to join us for the podcast. Now we turn to something different. A conversation I had with a young man differently abled than the rest of us, Cesar Delgado. Now a student finishing up his education at a local community college. Cesar's an Ottawa, Illinois resident and he's pushing for a career in agriculture. Note that he is challenged with a handicap that limits his movement and his speech, but he uses speech-generating software that can interpret his hand and face gestures to answer questions. You're really not hearing Cesar's actual voice, but the computer's, but I'm pretty sure you'll get a sense of his passion for this business. He's even gunning for a job here at Farm Progress. Let's check in with Cesar. Cesar, welcome to Around Farm Progress. I do really appreciate for joining you. Great. So. Let's get started, and um, I'll ask the first question here. Um, So how did you get involved in agriculture? I was in high school. I remember I wanted to be joining the fall in my junior years. Interesting. So how did you then decide? I mean, you wanted to join FFA, but how did you decide you wanted to make a career in agriculture? I wanted to study for political science, but Trump runs in 2016 well i want to be a farm broadcaster what uh you've kind of been a farm broadcaster already i believe you have a podcast of your own what impact 
do you think you have a career in farm broadcasting? What impact do you think that would do for you? I saw the movie of Temple Grandin with her disability led me to do it. Well, that makes sense. I think you like a challenge, Cesar. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, that's the kind of guy you strike me as. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. I believe that. You have a passion for ag. I get that. We've talked a little before in the past. But you're also looking at cover crops, and you're a big fan of cover crops. What about cover crops get your attention? Yeah, because this practice don't have to put harmful chemical in our field and soil. Okay. I know that many farmers are finding that with cover crops, they can reduce their chemical use, although it's not always effective and it does challenge you. So I think as you get into cover crops in the future, you're going to plow some new ground to help us. I hate to use the phrase plow new ground, sorry, <laughs> but you're going to be carving uh, <laughs> carving a new um, road for the cover crops business if you're looking at reducing chemicals. That would be interesting to see on Yeah. So you talked about joining FFA when you were in high school. When did you join? Were, did you, were you able to join in high school? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love it. Most fun to me with my adventure. Great. That is fascinating. Yes, your adventure. Absolutely. Why don't you tell me a little more about your journey of your life in agriculture? Because you don't actually live on a farm, do you? Yeah, but my family was a hog farmer in Mexico. They were having a hog and cattle just hobby, but my grandfather was a farm bureau in Mexico. Hmm, I didn't even know there was farm bureau in Mexico. I learned something every day when I talk to you. That's interesting. Huh? When did your family move to this country? My family came up right after the Mexican Revolutionary. You um, are doing some little test plots on your hobby acreage, right? What do you like to do there? Yeah, I like to planting soybeans and winter wheat for cover crops. Okay. So how do you terminate your winter wheat in the spring? Is that, that's wheat, not rye, right? Yeah. But how do you terminate that product then? With roby tilling. So you rototill your wheat crop under and then plant soybeans into it as your trial for your field? Yeah. So I have a challenge for you to look at, not today, or something to think about as you continue with your ag. If you are rototilling that wheat under, um, that is a negative carbon issue. Something to think about. Are you serious? Well, it's something worth looking at because whenever you're tilling the ground, that releases carbon. At least that's what I've been told. And it's not bad right now. It's Everybody does some sort of tillage, but it is something to seriously look at in the future. Oh, man. <laughs> we live and learn, bud. We live and learn. So you are, um, what, where are you now? You're in in college, community college, right? Yes, sir. Um, how much, what, what's your next step after this, after this school year in the spring or May, whenever it ends? 
I want to go to work with Farm Progress or Cover Crops Industry because I want to be John Madden in the ag industry. <laughs> well, we don't have any openings right now, but I appreciate mm-hmm. the enthusiasm for that. I think you're mm-hmm. going to be just fine as the John Madden of the uh-huh. ag industry if you uh-huh. make your name in cover uh-huh. crops. There's a long way to go there. There's a lot of work to do. But I just sat through the cover crop boot camp in mm-hmm. Iowa for the practical farmers of Iowa. And that was an interesting day of learning about different ways to use cover crops. Very interesting stuff going on there. But you use wheat with your cover crop. Have you looked at other alternatives? Yeah, I used to get radishes, but not so good with my plots. Yes, I've heard radishes can be a challenge depending how they establish and then how you terminate them in the spring, um, partly as a timing issue when you're planting. So when you plant your plots, what do you use? Just for our, uh, people listening, how do you plant your crops? With my folks will help me to planting them. Okay, that's cool. I mean, that's a question some people might have if they hear us talking. So I was good to answer that question. Um, I know that you get help getting around and you do get around. I've heard good things about your schoolwork and it's going to be interesting to watch how you proceed. Anything else you'd like me to know? Yeah. I would like to say thanks to Tracy Stephan to communicate to you guys. Well, yeah, it was nice of Tracy to hook us up and uh, been very helpful. Um, I wish you a lot of luck. Perhaps we'll check in next spring to see how your cover crops did over the winter. But I did not to planting them, especially this year, because I was that busy. Well, then I guess we won't check in with your cover crop for next year because you were dead busy. I know that school can do that to a person. I know that's what it did to me when I was in school. But, uh, we'll see what you come up with. That means you'll get some soybeans in next year? Yes, sir. We'll see how that goes. Well, Cesar Delgado, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining me on Around Farm Progress. Thanks. See you later. I've had a few conversations with Cesar over the past year, and while he doesn't live on a farm, he's come to love agriculture, including his stint with FFA in high school. And as he embarks on his career, I'm pretty sure we'll hear more about him and his work with cover crops. Thanks to Cesar for taking the time to talk with me for the podcast, and thanks again to Jacqueline Holland for her contribution this week. Before I close today's episode, I want to alert listeners to the fact that we're pausing this podcast for a few weeks. We're working through some technical details, but when we return, we'll have more rich content and further exploration of hot ag topics with our editors. Watch your email inbox for news of our return. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs and our events, including the Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, and the New York Farm Show. Before we go, I want to alert you to two special events to consider for your calendar in January 2022, which I mentioned earlier with Jackie. The Farm Futures Ag Finance Boot Camp and the Farm Futures Summit. Now, the boot camp runs all day January 19th, and the summit runs January 20 and 21. And we're in Iowa City, actually in the same hotel facility we've been in before. It's just changed its name to the Hyatt Regency Coralville Hotel and Conference Center. You can learn more about the program, what's on hand, and the agenda with speakers and more at farmfuturesummit.com. Visit the site and consider registering to be on hand in January. Oh, and uh, check your email inbox because I'm pretty sure that if you're hearing my voice, 
you've seen an email promoting the event with a discount code to save on registration. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vaud, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.